so this past Sunday, we had our Vision Sunday. We've been kind of going through a something new series uh, based on Isaiah 43, 19. And it was so good. We were so excited how everything went. This is the first time me and you have ever done this back and forth type of thing. Co-preaching. Yeah. And uh, we recorded two different camera angles, but the audio on both cameras did not work. Yep. So I don't know if that's of God or of the devil, but what we're going to do this today <laughs> is kind of re-talk it through because we thought of all Sundays. Sometimes this happens to us and we're like, we'll just throw it away and move mm-hmm. on. But this was actually really important for those who couldn't make it. So uh, today is like what we would call where we're – well, Sunday was what we would call Vision Sunday, and we're going to kind of go through what that looks like for our church. Scripture says it's very clear, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision – the people perish. And so we find it helpful to take at least one day a year to kind of get really specific about where we are, where we're headed, and what me and Caleb have been talking a lot about. As pastors, our chief job is doctrine and direction. Now, I'm assuming you didn't get into this because of direction. We we get into this because of doctrine. Right. Right? Yeah. Talking about the love of God, all these things. Like, this is what we fall in love with. We love reading theologians. There's no greater joy than every week kind of expounding the scriptures. Mm-hmm. However, without direction, there's no people to teach doctrine to. And we've even met some people recently uh, who have churches, uh, church plants who have failed and they say time and time again, the reason it didn't work out was because we didn't keep the vision at the front. We allowed other people to come and hijack the vision. Yeah. And even I uploaded a YouTube video just on Monday about the vision God has for us. And we're learning more and more. Oh, okay. Let's not do the vision we have and tell God about that. Let's wait for God to give us a vision and the one that we need to roll with. So this is what we believe. And this is kind of how we started out on Sunday. I want you to write this down. And this is, we don't know who to give credit to. We've heard multiple pastors use this phrase. So I guess at that point, it's just anybody's, right? So we heard Jeff Henderson say this at the conference we were at. We've also heard Rich Wilkerson say on a YouTube video, just this, uh, the last phrase, design or default. So we put a spin on it. Write this down. Our direction is determined by design or by default. So this is true in marriage. You either date because you designed it that way and you find the babysitter, you do whatever, you have to make it a priority because by default, those things won't happen. And uh, this is in every relationship. And so what we're really seeing is that this is true with church. We can design the direction we're heading or we will go into a certain direction by default. Yeah. So... I appreciate the yes, amen, boom, amen. boom, boom. Okay, right. so let's summarize. Uh, our We found Isaiah 43, 19. Remember, I went to you a few months ago and said, hey, this is like our whole vision in one verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, behold, I'm about to do something new. So that's the first part. We have a vision statement. What is it? Passionately pursuing the life and lifestyle of Christ in Queen Creek. Boom. So passionately pursue. That's for us at our church, if you're part of Passion Creek. What we want to do is constantly uh, have something new in your life. We want you to taste the goodness of God. We want you to experience new mercies and new grace. And so we believe no matter how far you've been in the Christian life, whether it's one day or almost 100 years, there's always something new. And so we as pastors, we as a church are saying, okay, how can we help you pursue that next stage or what we're going to talk about uh, that next step or what we're going to talk about with you, the next stage of the Christian life. The next thing 
it talks about um, is, man, I even have the scripture in front of me. I'm just winging it right now. <laughs> Bold about to do something new. I'm preparing a way in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. So way, we've talked about that Hebrew word, it, it, it insinuates beliefs, boundaries, and behaviors. What that means is it's not just a set of beliefs, which our culture is tending to believe. Oh, I, you, what do you believe? It's also how do you behave? What are certain boundaries? And Jesus says his way is the narrow way. So we call that the lifestyle of Christ. We believe God has called us to cert, uh, to live a certain lifestyle. And then also says at the end of the verse, rivers in the desert. This is God being our source of life in the midst of a dry and weary land. And so we believe that's what we're called to do, rivers in the desert. We're called to bring people to life in Christ. So those are kind of the three elements of our church, passionately pursue the life and lifestyle of Christ. And then, of course, where it applies for us in Queen Creek. So a healthy church has all three elements, and we think that God has called us to, um, as a church, let's look at the whole big picture. Mm -hmm. Let's look at the blueprint, not just like some motivating talk, even though we're totally down to do that, but what are some actual action steps? How are we leading our people towards passionately pursuing the life and lifestyle of Christ in Queen Creek? So you're going to walk through it with us. What does that look like for us personally? So how do we as pastors... How do we as a church constantly help each other? How do we personalize the life and lifestyle of Christ? And then I'm going to end with how do we do this collectively as a whole, as a whole congregation? Because we believe there's definitely an element where it's an us factor, not just you and me. So go ahead and take it away. How can we personalize the life and lifestyle of Christ? Yeah. So in Ephesians chapter 4, um, Eugene Peterson points out in his commentary, you have two halves of the book. The first half focuses on... um, the, the doctrine. So everything that we believe, the thing that we uh, as pastors get excited about because of Christ, here's all the implications of that. Second half of Ephesians, Paul uh, says, because these things are true, because the doctrine is true, here's how you live your life. And so it's never just about one or the other. It has to be both. And uh, two halves of the book of Ephesians, there's kind of this hinge right in the middle and it's Ephesians chapter four, um, verse one. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. And so he says, because of all of this doctrine, because of everything that we know, all the intellectual stuff, the knowledge, whatever, therefore, because of that, live worthy of the calling that you have received. And so uh, what's interesting about that is the word worthy. Mm -hmm. um, It's a Greek word, uh, axios, which is actually, if you're reading that in the Greek, what you're imagining uh, when you see that word is you're imagining a a set of scales, balancing scales. So on one hand, you have, um, you know, a pound measure weight or whatever. On another hand, you have like flour or something. And so you measure it until they're equal. And so what's really fascinating is Paul is saying here, we live a holistic life, uh, a balanced life when God's calling and our lifestyle uh, are perfectly even. So life and lifestyle. Life and lifestyle. The life of Christ, lifestyle of Christ. Um, And so that's kind of, like you said, our job is to help our church. That's why we want to help everybody, not just come to church and go through the motions or whatever, but individually, this has profound implications on how we live. And so um, so we we so badly, um, I don't want to be known as just a lifestyle church. That's the stuff we've talked about a lot because that's such a glaring hole. Like if we're looking at the scales, we talk a lot about grace, but we don't walk out the grace, you know, in the practices. But it's a good reminder, oh, we also have to 
just talk about just life in Christ and then yeah. also lifestyle and just keep reminding each other of both. Yeah. Equal balanced. Um, and so one way that's really helped us uh, think about how to contextualize this for our people and um, help everybody grow is uh, to look at um, the spiritual life in terms of stages. So this is something that the early church has done for years. Um, it's, it's not something that we just made up. You see this in scripture. There's um, people from Adam and Eve all the way to like Peter and Paul, the way they live their lives. Um, their spiritual journey can be divided into several stages. And so, um, there are two halves of the spiritual life. The first half, uh, is all about, uh, leaning into our longings. And then the second half is about, um, releasing those things. And so stage one, uh, this is traditionally called awakening. So this is when we move from a pointless life, uh, to finding purpose in life. And this is something, this is like the moment of conversion. So this mm -hmm. is what everybody experiences. Um, if you are a believer, this is when the Holy Spirit grabs you. Um, you get a clear picture of who God is. So you think about Isaiah, the prophet, for example, when he uh, has a vision, he sees God immediately. He sees how good and how perfect God is. And he sees how sinful and how broken he is. That was Isaiah's moment of awakening. Um, you see this all throughout scripture. Uh, this is when in your stage in life, you are just on fire for God, worship is easy for you you want to pray the disciplines are something that come naturally to you um it's the honeymoon stage this is the honeymoon fantastic. stage this is when things are great um and so uh the gospel will show you that there's more to life in this stage you suddenly move from um thinking or believing maybe that you are just a collection of flesh and molecules to there's something more transcendent we are created for a purpose um and so we uh the problem though is that there i, I think a lot of i mean People like to stay in this stage, and this right. is kind of where we cap it out. And so we stay there by default. We stay there by default. Or even we're, the, the design, if you ignore the rest of the stages, is to keep you here. And so what can right. happen is you keep chasing that experience. You keep chasing that mountaintop, right? Yeah. Moses on Mount Sinai, everybody listening to Jesus. The Transfiguration, for example, uh, who's at Peter, wants to stay up there. And Jesus right. says, no, we can't. We have to keep moving. We have, we have work to do. There's more to life than just staying here holding that in. Um, and so we have to be careful as a church because we want to foster that. We want to create those moments and opportunities right. for people who haven't experienced it Absolutely. yet. But we're, we're trying to balance that. Okay, how can we put in practices? How can we help our people in realizing you need to move on from this eventually? It's not just from one high to the next. Right. And what's great is it's not, it's not like things get worse from here. They actually get better because we go deeper into our faith. Yeah. And I believe that's the way God designed the Christian life. It's just that so many of us want to stop here because it's almost comfortable. It's easy to stay here. Um, and so, I mean, our Sunday mornings are designed this way. We want you to have an awakening experience every time you come in through worship, through the sermon, through moments of pastoral prayer, through whatever it is. Um, but uh, the second stage is actually something that... Um, that I think is much deeper and uh, more fulfilling. And so this is a stage called purgation. Um, and this is when we release our disordered desires so that we can feast on deeper desires. So after you go through your, your, your phase of awakening, the honeymoon phase, um, things kind of level out and all of a sudden you become more and more aware of your sin, things in your life that are, um, uh, either overt, maybe something you know that you shouldn't be doing. And so this is when you start to feel convicted of that. You feel God calling you to stop, repent mm -hmm. uh, from that. And so you recognize that uh, the sin in your life, the behaviors you have, actions, whatever, attitudes that are, are sinful or harmful to other people are desires that have just been disordered. And so uh, this stage, too, of purgation is releasing those desires so that you can feast on um, 
deeper desires. And this is super helpful. Uh, so we, we're trying to apply this obviously within the preaching, but then that's why we have growth groups and kind yes. of diving. I know you're going to talk about that yeah, yeah, yeah. in a second, but it's such a temptation as a pastor to only focus on purpose, passion, direction, hope right. for your life. True. Um, but then I feel like there's only a few, there's a few groups of people uh, who have certain sins and struggles that we say, that's a disordered desire. You need to kill your, kill that desire right. and feast on something deeper. But then we haven't, and I think everything's dysfunctional right now because we haven't as a church culture at large, we want to do with our church is all of us have disordered desires. Right. All of us throughout a whole life, we just peel the onion, right? Layer after layer. Right. Oh, there's more and more to this. Yeah. And so I think if we only ostracize a certain group, and I know most people can pick up what I'm talking about. Sure. When we ostracize them, they're like, wait a minute, why do I have to be killing the flesh and you're just partying? Right. So we want that whole culture where friends, we are all dying to self. Right. Yeah. So like you said, growth groups, this is our small group ministry. This is why these are so important is because it's more than just the gather time. It's more than just Sunday mornings. And then you go throughout the rest of your week. Um, in the middle of the week, we like to design uh, groups around um it, it, the whole goal is community uh, that we will go through the sermon topic. We have Bible study questions, um, but it's again, more than just that information. We want to provide a place for everybody to hold each other accountable um, to be able to go through and, t- and work through what they're, what they're dealing with in their lives. And um, this is a place where you can share and, and, and talk a little bit more deeply about what um, the sermon had to do with your life specifically and, and get encouragement from one another. So it's mm-hmm. not just like a crying, bashing each other's sins night, you know, it's like right. a real uplifting, like remember, this is grace this is community this is and grace. honestly one of the reasons why we don't split up groups yeah. like we just send one out to go do another one is because some like our community doesn't have a lot of friends and right. like they're so transient and not like these long-term ones so we believe that first year if you're a group right away yeah you're probably not going to be unleashing all your sins right away and it's not like you're a failure right right you know <laughs> yeah, so yeah. like it's this helpful like oh oh no if you're new you don't have to unleash everything on on night one yeah i think that is like a general thought people have and it kind of keeps people away from groups right yeah we also have i mean this isn't we have a d group ministry um which is a little bit more deeper and a little bit more geared towards confession and towards encouragement and things like that. But, uh, the D group is, uh, same gender and Mm -hmm. it's much smaller. So three to five people, uh, you meet, uh, at least every other week, ideally once a week, and you read through scripture together, you encourage each other. This is when you really start to reveal the disordered desires in your life. How you're purging that. Um, it's more appropriate in that kind of setting. It's way more appropriate in that kind of setting. Um, in the small group, uh, uh, our growth groups, you're working with eight to 12 people. Um, and so you have to be a little bit discerning with, with that, but yeah. naturally, I mean, both have the same goal of helping you on your path. If you're in this stage, stage two purgation, right. um, you Absolutely. get encouragement, you get reassurance, you get a family that is, um, you know, accepting of whatever you're going through. So that's stage two. Um, That is also the end of the the first half of your spiritual life. So second half of your spiritual life also has two stages. So the second half is about your limitations, right? So you learn to love your limitations. First half of your life. It's where we, we got this concept from David Brooks, second mountain and many other people. Mm -hmm. Um, But we decided to use this language. Uh, So we're using church history language, like awakening and purgation, but then we kind of put our own phrases on it so people understand it. But it is that stage in life where you're like, wait a minute, 
it's not about my accolades. I actually get the most in life by giving stuff away and realizing that I don't need to be the hero. Right. Yeah. So that's a good segue into stage three. This is called, uh, traditionally, this has been called uh, illumination. And this is when you move from uh, an impressive life, trying to impress others and and take advantage of experiences, uh, to an empowering life. Um, So this is when you start to think differently. You switch. Everything changes because now you start to realize your life is not actually about you. Um, You are more willing to sacrifice for God. You're more willing to sacrifice for others. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount, for example, when Jesus is explaining a better way of life, loving your enemies and giving sacrificially and, um, you know, loving those who persecute you, this is when that becomes real and really applicable. You're not striving so much for this. It just kind of becomes natural. Um, This is James 2, 14 through 17. uh, says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such a faith save him? In other words, uh, everything that you're learning, this is when you start to bear fruit. And so um, for us, this looks uh, different in a couple of different areas. Obviously, we want to um, live the life and lifestyle of Christ, pursue it in Queen Creek. So this is all about uh, going. This is go time. This is um, we're going to be a part of service projects. We are going to um, do stuff every winter uh, or at the end of every semester at our ASU Polytechnic campus, for example. We have a college ministry where um, students have finals and it's stressful. This is when you start to give up some of the things that maybe you were holding on to so you can then go and serve those college students um, or whatever that is. This is when the kingdom of heaven starts to to really break through in your life and, and as a church. And a lot of people tend to think this is just for the teachers. So they think, oh, I, can, I can't go here because I'm not a teacher. I can't have a big classroom and empower other people. Right. But this could be life on life. This is just you interacting with people. And shout out to stay-at-home moms. Yes. You, your main job is to empower, you know, to raise up arrows, right. you know, shout out to just parents in general, uh, people who are bringing in college students under their wing. There's so many different ways to empower people. And so we as a church are trying to develop a culture where it's not just the podium. It's not just the microphone. That's not just the person that's empowering right. uh, because we believe not everybody's given that gift of teaching. That doesn't mean that they can't go to stage three. Right. Even go to everybody's called to make disciples. And so even if it's not in an official capacity, this could be something like taking a college student out to lunch and getting to know them or something. Cause again, empowering others, you don't care about impressing others. It's all about pouring into those. I got one more thing on that too. I've seen discipleship happen by default. Like, Oh yeah, we just kind of talk and they always ask and sure I'm making disciples. And I think that works. But what I've noticed in my relationships, when it's by design, when I meet with them and say, Hey, I we're actually meeting with a purpose and I'm meeting with you to walk through these stages, to walk through this Christian life with you. But the end goal here is that you do this with someone else. Right. And when you do it by design, there's a lot more intentionality. People kind of understand the situation. And I think uh, people lean in a little bit more. Right. Yeah. So this is kind of the difference between uh, stage two being a part of a D group, uh, stage three, maybe leading a D group. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. All right. All right. Stage four. Stage four. Last stage. This is um, this. It's rare to get to this stage. I think it's it's um, there aren't many people. Uh, this is kind of the stage where it's like the old grandmother that you have who's just like in love with Jesus. Like every time you visit grandma, she's talking about how good Jesus is. And she just gives you that word that's encouraging. And, you know, it's from the Holy Spirit. Like this is this is that stage. So this is traditionally called uh, union. So you release on what is interesting to feast on what is integrating. This is the stage where in your life, you start to lose interest in everything that pulls you away from communion with God. Yeah. 
And so the most fulfilling time you have is your time spent with God. Um, this is, uh, you lose, uh, the temptation to, uh, follow comparison, um, gossip, lust, all of those things. The sin becomes more of the exception rather than the rule. Um, this is, uh, this is when you realize that there are, I know we kind of talk about this. There's more to life than just jobs and careers and things like that. But this is when that really becomes a real thing um, for you. And so uh, I'd even say in this stage, you, you gladly welcome death. Like you're very, you know, like in a, in a weird way, not in a (laughs) bad way. You're excited, you know, like you want to meet the Lord. You want to see him face to face. My spiritual director said there'll be times where you, you're like pleading with God, like, I don't, I'm not suicidal at all, but I just want to be with you. Right. I don't know that life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't experienced that, but there are people who do. But again, designer default, you don't naturally hit stage four. There right. takes a lot of intentionality, a lot of, you know, clinging to the goodness of Christ, the, the life and lifestyle. Because I've also met a lot of old people that are very bitter. Yes. That have been in the Christian church <laughs> world their entire life. Yeah. And you're like, oh no. Yeah, I yeah. hope I don't bring my friends around them because they're just cranky and right. and hate the world. Just so, because you're old doesn't mean you're one with Jesus. Yes. Right. Yes. So yeah, just generally speaking, it'd be, I, I mean, I don't know if it's possible to be even in your forties and in this stage. Uh, but I guess it could be possible. I True. mean, Jesus hit it and he was in his thirties. So Jesus I'm just, God. so <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. So, so that's the personalizing the practices. Yep. And so what we're constantly saying, um, and I guess you would summarize it with God time. Right. God time is your quiet time with God. Gather time is Sunday mornings when we worship together. Uh, Group time is growth groups and D groups. And then go time is serving others, service projects, empowering others, things like that. Yeah. So that's, those are the patterns. Those are the practices. All the practices can fall under one of those four categories. Right. So that's what we're constantly bringing before our people every week. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've done a good job of that. This hasn't just been some fad the past year, year and a half. We've constantly said, God, gather group, right. go, God, gather group, go. Yeah. So trying to get that, whatever. But so now the part I'm going to talk about is holistically as an organization, we need to plan these things collectively as a whole. How are we, um, this is a real word. How are we communalizing the life and lifestyle of Christ? I think yeah. this is very biblical. It's constantly Paul, when he's writing to the letters, uh, writing to the churches, uh, it's to y'all, not just to you, you know, um, just you. It's always plural. Yeah. So, so what we're doing, what we think is best is we have a three season calendar. So January through April is season one, May through August is season two, and then September through December is season three. And in the life of Arizona, I think it's the best way to split up our calendar. Yeah. Those are definitely different seasons, definitely different emphasis. Um, the summer has a whole nother vibe. The fall has, they each, each season has a totally different vibe. Yeah. So we want to lean into that. We want to know that, okay, our culture has that. But within each season, there's things that we do consistently. So as a whole, we want to, as a congregation, the first month of every season to focus on God time. Like, of course, we're always focusing on God time personally. But as a community, how are we doing that? So that's why we just finished our fourth 21-day practice. So we do a 21-day practice. So we do it at the beginning of every January, every May, and every September, I did it. <laughs> we do that every time. And uh, this 21 day practice is we give them a practice each and every day. You follow us on Instagram, Facebook. It's also on the website. Yeah. And we're just trying to show our people, okay, first of all, there's power in all of us doing the same thing mm-hmm. and just helping us like lean into different practices, make us a little uncomfortable. Yeah, so yeah. we keep changing the way it looks like. 
I even think in January, we might just strip it all down and be like, okay, this is just fasting every day yeah. um, rather than a new practice. This last time was fun. We did secrecy on one day, upstream practice, downstream practice. Maybe you don't know that language. We can talk about it another time. But we keep playing around different ideas. We just want to bring it before our whole people and kind of get them a taste of what would it look like for 21 days making this a habit. Yeah. And that's what they say how long it takes to develop a habit. So that's our desire there. And what we're actually doing this time, it's not officially on our calendar, but uh, we're hoping at the end of every first month we also do a spiritual formation retreat yeah. so this weekend i'm going we have 14 other people from our church and we're going up to, to flagstaff up in a cabin and we're just going to focus on essentially god time um and what that looks like for them personally and kind of yeah. developing their own roadmap so if this goes well <laughs> we'll do this we'll add it to the calendar. because january is a perfect time for a retreat and mm -hmm. so is may you know like yeah. it all works out okay second month of every season we have gather time so that's our emphasis as a community so what we're what we call it is heart and soul this is what a lot of old school people call membership um, other people come up with different names we're not against the phrase membership at all but heart and soul i think is the best way to define it because we want to share the heart and soul of passion creek yeah so the second month of every season we have four weeks where we go through our four elements of our church which is pursuit um, what does it look like to passionately pursue life in christ we want to share the gospel what that means for us lifestyle the different practices and then in queen creek what's that look like how can you serve in our church and in our community once you've gone through those full four mm -hmm. classes you can then decide okay i'm going to join this church or i'm going to wait or whatever but we need for you to go through all four classes in order to join the family um, and I love that our emphasis, the way we're kind of developing this is we care for your heart and soul, right? Like yeah. our heart and soul is for your heart and soul. Right. This isn't just activity, ministry activity. This isn't just to grow numerically. Yeah. We genuinely care about the health of our people. Yeah, yeah. And so we try to communicate that. So that's actually this October. We're starting that for the first time and we're going to do, we're, we're testing our people's, how much, how bad do they want it? <laughs> Cause we're going to do it on Sunday mornings at 9am. Uh, and I think it will be good. Our service starts at 10. Third month, yep. group time. We want that to be an emphasis. We want to constantly remind our people we love groups. Uh, we want every we want at least seventy percent of our congregation involved in a growth group, and we always nearly hit that number or hit it. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, I think we're doing really well this time. We've had a lot a lot of new yeah. signups. Uh, but with that, what is an emphasis for group time? So what we've decided to do is some sort of family feast. So every November, we've already done this for a long time. Is Viking feast? Mm -hmm. We get together. Um, we go to Alan's house. We're actually thinking about going to Superstition Mountain. Yeah. This time, which would be sick, <laughs> and eating Thanksgiving food, but without silverware, even though people inevitably bring silverware yeah. and it kind of ruins you can't the whole help thing. It. It's okay. The only way it makes it Viking Feast is the music. <laughs> yeah, at <laughs> this point, yeah. Everything and else. And maybe the mountain. Who knows? And now the mountain. Now the mountain. Yeah, but. Uh, we'll but just take things away. But we want to do something like that, you know, like a. January, February, March, March, spring, maybe a picnic type thing. You yeah. know, group time will be fun. And then July. <laughs> May, June, July, some sort of summer, whatever. But we want to do something where let's feast together. There's something yes. about hospitality, just enjoying each other's company. Yeah, yeah. And then the fourth month, which we fourth month of every single season is go time. And so these are service projects. So this is real simple. It really works within the life of our church. So December is a great time to bless families for Christmas. Mm -hmm. We have organizations here in Queen Creek that we give gifts to, to 
for kids from ages like two to six, we just give them Christmas gifts and it's a blessing uh, to be a part of that. Every April we want to bless students with like final survival kits at ASU Polytech campus. So for our go time, we're going to get together, donate those things, put them together and then go on campus and give them out. And then every August we want to bless a school with backpacks or this is always a great time just to help people out. Yeah. Yeah with whatever they got going on. So those are the four, those are the four months of each season. And those are the consistent things. Of course, there's, there's things we add and um, throughout, depending on the season. But as a general rule, we want to help reminder people, this is what we do as a community. Now, what makes it different is uh, season one and three always have growth groups. Mm -hmm. So that's during school time. We have growth groups, which Caleb, you write the material for, which yep. I sent you my sermon already. I'm you on did. top of the game. I know, I so got it. you create the curriculum. We send it out to our growth group leaders. We currently have six or seven growth groups. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. We have seven growth groups. Yep. I can never forget Jordan's. Okay. So we have seven growth groups uh, for people to be part of. And so that is huge. But then season two, the summer, we let our hosts and our leaders take a break. And then we say, okay, everybody, let's go together under one roof Mm -hmm. and let's go through a workshop. So two years ago was the leadership workshop and this past year was the apprentice workshop. And so it's a little more hands-on. I talk for 30 minutes, which the videos are on our YouTube channel. And then uh, we go through like an hour of discussion and homework and it's always a good time. Yeah. Now the question is, why are we so detailed about all of this? It kind of seems pretty crazy. A lot of people say, don't you just show up, love God, love other people, and preach the word. But we think if we do that, yes, we can go to a default though, right? Like we can kind of find ourselves in a situation where we're like, how, how do we even get here? Right. So if we focus on these things by design, remember our direction is determined by design or by default. Preaching the word also like will include all of these. Like if you're doing that right, it's never just show up and listen. I don't want that to be a thing. Like well, right. who shows up and preaches the word? Yeah. Um, like it has to include this. Right. But I think it even informs your preaching. Like it can remind you, oh yeah, like this is an opportunity to yeah. talk about go time or you just kind of glance over it. Yeah, so yeah, we think this is really helpful. And I, I just say that because there's people that say, if I just preach the word, everything will be taken care of. Right. I know churches that do that and God bless them but they don't know where they're going in three months. They just know that next week is this passage. So that's what I mean by that. Like we need to look bigger and more future um, because our, our job is doctrine, but it's also direction. So here's the big ask and then we're done. The, what we ask for our people is to be all in. Yeah. Right. We want them to say, okay, this is the blueprint. So I'm going to contribute to these things personally. I'm going to commit to just one step further Whatever that looks like for God time, gather time, group time, go time. Mm -hmm. Just one more step in. Um, That looks different for everyone. And we're not the ones trying to, oh, did you, are you cranking it up? That's not our job at all, but we're offering. We really believe the direction God's given us at Passion Creek is a fruitful one. It is full of life and love and this community that only God can design. But like the 21-day practice, Mm -hmm. it's lame if people don't do it. Yeah, there's no point. So we are so relying on our people to do these things or else we're kind of wasting our time. And by God's grace, we've had so many people do it. Yeah. But we're asking everybody, okay, we're kind of challenging everyone. How else can you buy in heart and soul? Right. It's pointless if people don't sign up. Just a couple of weeks ago, I ran into a pastor and he said, I keep trying to do all these events Mm -hmm. and I get so excited, but nobody comes like that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. And so. What I was telling him is like, well, you got to convince them. Like it's our job to say, hey, this is a worthy thing and motivate them to show up. And so hopefully that encouraged him. But that is our job. But at the same time, it is our people. Like we all have to be in this together. 
but we really believe the future is bright. Family feasts, they're incredible when everybody shows up and everybody eats and everybody laughs. Yeah. It's one of the best things we can ever think of, but it's all dependent on people buying in. So our direction is determined by design or by default, and we hope that this encouraged you, even if you're not a part of our church, to kind of see this is the blueprint of what we believe God is taking us towards. Of course, there's so much more, but I really believe these are good handlebars. These are good, like, okay, I kind of get where we're going. And we're, of course, leaving room for God to change and move and do different things within that framework or without that framework. Whatever God wants to do, we (laughs) believe God's given us that framework. But I love this, and I'll close, is that I love that our vision is so much more than getting them from outside to inside and then serving. You know, like our vision is grander, I believe, than just get in the seat and then now that you're in your seat, you need to serve. Those things need to happen. Yeah, absolutely. But we care way more deeply about people's souls. And we believe those things are part of that journey. But our end goal for us is for people's heart and soul, not just for our numbers to add up and for us to go further faster, Right. which hopefully those things happen as well. But that's not a heartbeat behind it.